2: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the Fan. January 9th, 2024. Appreciate everybody listening to the show as always. Huge week here in D.C. We will keep you up to speed with everything going on with the Caps and the Wiz. I would say the Nats, but that going on with the Nats, regrettably, this offseason. But obviously the Commanders taking center stage. Looking for their head of football operation and their head coach. And by the way, I think the reason they're calling it that is just because Martin Mayhew still has his job. So you can't be searching for a GM when there is a GM.
4: That's very Snyder walk the uh walk the coaching candidates by the head coach. Exactly. So
3: I think it's probably you, you could give him a title of president football, whatever. I don't expect that they're hiring two people. Like a, a president, say Peters, and then he names a GM. I think who comes in here is the de facto general manager. And you just can't search for a job that currently exists with the Marty Party. But we are live in D.C. and in Richmond and wherever you are on the Odyssey app. And it is time for your Beltway Blitz covering the NFL and the Commanders. But we'll start off on the hardwood. Ava Wallace covers the Wizards for the Washington Post. Always love having her on the Beltway Blitz. Last time out for the Wiz, they scored almost 130. And Ava, it wasn't enough. The Thunder are a fun watch. 136-128 winners over the Wiz yesterday. What would you think?
5: Yeah, they're a really, really good team. That's kind of what Jordan Poole said at the end of the night. He had a big night. It was almost as if he said, oh, you got a bunch of young shooters on your team? I can do that too. But he came in afterwards, and after his whole spiel and answering questions, he kind of just looked at us and said, that's a really good team. And the most fun thing about them, from my point of view, is they've arrived ahead of schedule. And that's always really exciting for... Rebuild and kind of makes people in in Washington, I think, inside the Wizards organization uh, look a little hopeful, feel a little bit more hopeful themselves.
4: Yeah, just grab a couple superstars in the draft and, and, uh, you know, shake it up and start. It'll be that easy. Uh, Where are we at on Jordan Poole, though? I mean, we, Ava, to to be fair, I'll try to be kind here. We have a couple months of unserious basketball from Jordan Poole Mm -hmm. in our rearview mirror. I don't want to say our corner's been turned, but it is better of late, it feels like. My voice is going up. Yeah, it it is a little
5: their offense has been better i mean they are certainly not a consistent team but when their offense is good it's been really good of late um you know it's their defense that brings them down and the two games in cleveland were bad but you're totally right i think we've seen a little bit of an uptick um certainly feeling a little bit more adjusted last night he said he felt he just uh felt like he was on when he was really involved and he could pick on the ball more. He had 15 points in the third quarter, and that was when he was bringing the ball up the court. He was one created in the action. So, I actually thought it was an interesting uh, answer to that question from Jordan Poole. I asked him how he got it going, and he said, "Whenever I'm most involved, I feel like that's when I do the best." So, read into that what you will, I guess.
3: Has Kyle Kuzma's trade value gone up, down, or stayed the same this season?
5: It's definitely gone up. He's proved uh, he can be consistent first and foremost this season. That was kind of what. He had to do the past two years is when he's number one or number two on the scoring or on the scouting report, excuse me, that he can withstand having those defenses kind of come at him. And listen, he's always going to be a really desirable guy. He's not a bad guy off of he doesn't have, you know, a rap sheet or anything like that uh, in, in the eyes of the front offices. And he's got size and he can shoot. So he's always going to be really valuable, but he's proven a lot of kind of leadership qualities too. Nice
4: game from Tyus Jones last night as well. That's a, a nice little welcome sight for me. I feel like he's getting more comfortable.
5: Absolutely getting more comfortable and, and showing off a little bit too. He's, he's kind of taking matters into his own hands much more. And uh, I always think of you guys since you asked me so much about <laughs> yeah, how he can be more aggressive. He's done that beautifully and without really sacrificing his efficiency or the assist that he gives out. So if he's having a huge breakout year. He's about trade value. He's his is uh, skyrocketing for sure.
4: Ava, thank you as always. Really appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Hit that NFL sounder for us. Our guy Mike Jones, he knows the NFL. That's why he's coming on the talk about the NFL. Mike, what's the best GM opening and the best head coaching opening in the league?
6: Um, I think that Washington's got to be up there as far as GM goes because you've got the second pick of the draft. You've got, I think, is it five picks in the top 100. You've got a good amount of cap space as well. Um, You know, so I I think that that's got to be a pretty attractive one. If you're talking about a coaching gig, I think the Chargers have to be the one that's most attractive because you already have your franchise quarterback. You already have a good defense. You just need to tweak a couple things and maybe add a little thing, a couple things here and there. And you should be able to contend.
3: When I wrote my letter to Santa in early December, I asked him for Adam Peters and Ben Johnson. What do you think about a Peters hiring as a GM here? What would that do? And why is he such a beloved candidate?
6: Well, Peters makes a lot of sense now because of his ties, we find out with Bob Myers. Um, And he's coming from an organization where he has learned how to build a franchise that has been in the NFC championship game continually, that is among the best Um, That's out there. And so and they've also you know, they've had turnover here and there, but they plug in smart draft picks and things like that uh, to continue to contend. So he understands what it takes. Um, He's also watched the partnership of um, between the coach and the GM and how they work together. So you would think that his philosophy would be kind of similar. Uh, So I think that yeah, that would be um, a guy that would be very high on the list not just for Washington, but for other teams as well, just because of the track record. And also, he's well-respected in that organization.
4: Mike, if you were to tell me before the season started, the Super Bowl runner-up takes a slight step back, still a playoff team but finishes with a slightly worse record, i go, yeah, okay, that's pretty normal, right? That's a normal, reasonable thing that happens all throughout history. But what's going on with the Eagles right now, I I mean, they are – Panicking, chicken little, sky is falling. I get it. They don't look particularly good. But my goodness, the, the way they got here, I think, matters a lot.
6: Well, actually, remember the Super Bowl runner-up and only has that Super Bowl hangover, and right. they really struggle to make it back to the playoffs. So um, I was shocked and surprised and impressed with the Eagles for the first you know, three quarters of the season. Like, wow, they are immune to the Super Bowl hangover. They don't flinch. They haven't played their best game, but they always find a way to win. And then – the way they've fallen off has just been pretty remarkable. Um, the, the decisions, the changes on the defense um, with, you know, from going to one coordinator to another and just the, it seems like aimless direction here. I, you know, if they weren't playing Tampa this week, which is so beat up and so limited, I don't know if they'd be able to win. Otherwise I would say the Eagles have a
3: look of a team that would be one and done. Why did the Titans fire Mike Rabel?
6: Well, from what I hear, they weren't very happy and he wasn't very happy either. Um, and then, uh, you know, their owner went on the radio today and said, look, yeah, we could have looked to trade him, but it was going to take too long for coaching candidates. You know, I mean, for a coach's contract, you can't just trade him right away. He's got to be on board with it. So it would have dragged out and they were afraid that they were going to miss out. But ultimately, they felt like their roster was better Than what it was, you know, they fired their general manager last year after, you know, kind of some bad decisions really uh, seemed to put them, you know, backwards and in a state of regression. And this was the opportunity uh, the last two years for Vrabel to really kind of, you know, prove that he wasn't part of the problem and the team hadn't improved, hadn't taken steps forward. And so he became the guy that was the latest ball guy
4: couple of great storylines this weekend, Mike McCarthy going back up against his old franchise and Matt Stafford returning to Detroit after all these years. Uh, I'd love for you to, your thoughts on both.
6: Yeah, both of them are going to be pretty intriguing. Um, I'm very curious to see how Jared Goff plays because, you know, I, I don't think that Matt Stafford uh, really has the hard feelings. He's happy that Detroit traded him. He landed in LA and got himself a Super Bowl ring. Jared Goff has got to be the one that's got to be a little ticked off, um, you know, to have been traded. Like he was the problem there, um, you know, and so he's playing, you know, this year he played very well. He and Ben Johnson work well together. They fit. So I think that the motivation factor, I'm really curious more than Stafford just to see how um, the Lions attack um, the, uh, the Rams. But you have two very smart coaches in Sean McVay and Raheem Morris who know Jared Goff's tendencies and how to put him in bad situations. So it's going to be a fascinating chess match between those. Now, as far as the Packers and the Cowboys, yeah, I mean, that's that's some intrigue there. But it's not like you've got Aaron Rodgers going against Mike McCarthy. There's been a lot of turnover there. Uh, so that one doesn't do quite as much for me as does the uh, the Lions and the Rams.
3: I think the Saturday night game is fun. The Dolphins and the Chiefs, the 6-3 matchup in the AFC Miami taking on water here late in the season. Kansas City's just not the same, right? Kelsey looks old and banged up, and the the wide receivers other than Rasheed Rice are just not reliable. Does Kansas City have a run in them, do you think?
6: Well, I mean, I think that they have the opportunity just because it's hard to bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And you know when you get to this time of year, experience really is a factor. Physicality is a factor. We haven't seen... Um, the Dolphins be able to really go toe-to-toe with teams that are, that are more physical than them. Uh, now, you know, they did beat the Cowboys, but that was kind of an exception there. But you're looking at the Chiefs, and they don't really have that kind of physicality on offense. Um, their defense is something that, you know, you think that they can they play well. Chris Jones right there uh, leading the charge. They could give them some trouble and also, you know, the weather factor, and everything like that. Just the way that the Dolphins kind of backed into the playoffs here after looking like they were going to run away with that division. Um, I don't know uh, that this is going to be a great matchup for the Dolphins. So if you're the Chiefs, maybe you get a win here. You can start building some momentum. Um, Obviously, it has been helpful for them that they've been able to host uh, playoff games throughout the whole, you know, rest of the postseason. that's not going to be the case this year. So it's going to be interesting. I would be surprised if they make it to the super bowl, just because like you said, they're not right. Their offense isn't as explosive. They struggled in the red zone. Um, and so those are all things that in the past, they were almost automatic in and that's why they got as far as they did.
4: Mike, thank you as always, buddy. Have a great week. All right. Have a good one guys. We'll see you, my friend hit that local 53 sounder. Nick Ackrich, PFF, joins us to talk about that group. Nick, what should our fans here in Washington D.C. what should we which what should we easy for me to say be rooting for with this GM and head coach process?
7: Yeah, you just want to you know uh, just everyone on the same page, sort of thing. I mean, I, it's nice to kind of finally see you know a unified plan coming together um, all around it, and you just want you know just a solid process. I mean, I, I think the GM candidates they are all interviewing; everyone's they all have their you know their good traits and you just want everyone on the same page and I feel like it we haven't had that here in a very very long time um so you know just everyone on the same page hire a GM hire the coach and, and just go from there and you know basically start all the way over
3: seems to me like Sam Cosme had an excellent second half of the season the PFF numbers bear that out just how good was he as a right guard for Washington this year
7: yeah he was excellent I mean he was he was the best player on offense in, in my mind and I, and I think the best player on the team really um, throughout this year, and especially in the back half of of the season. He was just dominant in the run game, just trying to finish every single block, you know, put everyone into the dirt. You saw it with every single play. Um, Pass pro was a little – wasn't as great as the run blocking, but um, the run blocking more than made up for it. And it's why, you know, he was making comments about how he wanted to keep running the ball because, you know, he, he loved it.
4: Who are some of the guys beyond the headliners? Obviously, you know, guys like John Allen, Terry McLaurin, et cetera. Who are some of their assets that pretty much any new GM or regime would say, you know what, I'm going to keep that guy. He could help us.
7: Yeah, Brian Robinson looked really good. Uh, I mean, it, it was when they did run the ball, which was, was very sparingly, that he looked really good. Um, another guy that's you know, could be on his way out, Kendall Fuller, um, had a great year this, this year despite the secondary overall looking not so great. Kendall Fuller really kind of held down his own on, on his side. And, and Cameron Curl again, another guy that could be walking out the door was, was solid as always playing everywhere on the field and, and just constantly doing his job.
3: How did he stack up with other safeties? What what kind of money might he be able to demand going into free yeah, agency? It,
7: it's tough because like I said, he, he played everywhere on the field. Um, I, and I don't think there's, there's a scheme he wouldn't be able to fit into and, and, and play well. Um, you know, he was kind of, a little above average this year and, and not as great as he was, you know, in, in terms of PFF grade um, as he was in the past. But um, there was a lot of extenuating circumstances with that secondary and him kind of having to make up for, you know, for other players and, and not, maybe not playing in his, his best position. But um, I, I think he deserves a payday, and I'd like to see him stay here. I think he's a really important piece of defense and can fit into almost any scheme.
3: What kind of metrics did you guys look at and what were your general thoughts analytically on Biennemi's season?
7: Yeah, it was rough. I mean, they, they they threw Sam Howell to the dogs. I mean, they asked him to pass the most of anyone, and it, it was okay at times. Uh, and I think, you know, the common consensus here is that, you know, maybe there was needed to be a little more balance in, in terms of the run game and just kind of some easy throws. But um, they really sent Howell to the Wolves, and um, I think it was, a, it was a unique kind of experience for both him, for both Howell and the enemy, where um, they're both kind of – you know, trying to prove to the rest of the NFL that they kind of belong in, in the spots that they're in. And um, I, I don't know if really either of them kind of worked out uh, just because, you know, enemy again, didn't make it too easy on the quarterback, and the quarterback kind of struggled with that. Um, so it, it was just kind of a, a rough match overall. I, I think, you know, enemy just needed to make it a little bit easier on how, you know, incorporate the run game a little bit better and, um, and how it kind of struggled when, you know, he was asked to, you know, make full field, full field reads um, almost every single snap
4: why did Jahan Dotson catch as many passes as a fullback in a mediocre offense
0: <laughs>
7: that's a good question uh you know a lot of it had to do with the quarterback play and that same sort of thing those those full field reads where you know Jahan Dotson was open a lot there there were a lot of plays where where he was open and the, the ball just wasn't coming his way and um, then unfortunately when it finally did come his way there were, there were some drops um along the way but I think just a you know a more unified offense, maybe better quarterback play, and I think you see Jahan Dotson kind of get back to where he was as a rookie.
3: Good info, we appreciate it, Nick. Thanks so much. Yep, thanks,
7: guys. You have a good one. Nick thanks.
3: Ackridge of PFF joining us on Grant and Danny here on the Fan. Uh, lots still to get into today as it pertains to what's next for the Washington coaching and front office executive searches, but I want to get back into the news of the day that Mike Vrabel's available and how that wrench being thrown into this process should be viewed in D.C. He may not be the fit that you wanted. If you're like me and you wanted to go offensive-minded, you don't love the idea of a retread. You didn't know Mike Vrabel was going to be available. Mm -hmm. Who most people would tell you is one of the five to seven best coaches in football over the last handful of years. Should he move right to the top of the list? Should this be a slip they put in right away to try to talk to him? Let's dive into Vrabel as a candidate
9: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
0: Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Welcome back. Grant and Danny on the fan, taking you up to 630 Five o'clock, we're going to catch up with a reporter out in San Francisco who has spent a bunch of time around Adam Peters, including doing a Q&A with him ahead of the draft last year to tap into what Peters is all about as an executive in the event that Washington hires him. We want to know what we're getting ourselves into here with one of the hot commodities and candidates in this cycle. Speaking of hot commodities, Mike Vrabel was fired this afternoon by the Tennessee Titans. I'm trying to think of how to word this. It it is stunning that he was fired today. It is not shocking that he will not be coaching Tennessee, right? At different points, there was this guessing going on around the league that if Belichick was run out of New England, Mm -hmm. that Vrabel would want to go there and he might force his hand uh, to get traded and that the Titans might move on from him to, to move him to New England. But what nobody saw coming is it doesn't even matter what the Patriots are doing, whether Belichick stays or he doesn't. The Titans fired Vrabel. I mean, I think that's what's crazy about this, is that their new owner, uh, the the daughter of uh, the longtime owner Adams, mm-hmm. this is Amy Adams Strunk is her name. She sat down with Vrabel and I guess decided after he wasn't very happy, they weren't very happy with him, seems like some type of a, a power struggle, I guess, going on there. They wanted to move on from him. She was even asked, did they consider trading him? And gave kind of a long, weird answer where she said, yeah, there was some thought about that, but... There's a misconception about coaches' contracts versus player contracts, a coach's contract. You can't trade them unless they're a willing partner to the trade. So it sounds like Vrabel was gonna play hardball, wouldn't let them trade him, but they were saying maybe they wanted to move on. So they just fired him outright today. This was a guy who had four straight winning seasons at one point in time during his six years there.
4: Yeah, the tug of war, you know, and he's gonna be a desired commodity. So I think he got out of there. I think he saw the writing on the wall. They're not good. They don't have much talent. there. the way that they were built was around Derrick Henry, a bruising powerback at the top of all bruising powerbacks. And that clip is coming. Now, I was wrong. I thought it was coming earlier, but we're now pretty close to it, right? Where he's no longer that same dynamic force, although he was had one of the fastest clocked sprint times uh, running for a touchdown the other day, so so who knows? But, I was
3: going to say, he ran for 150 yards just about the other day.
4: Yeah, just but he's not the same guy running for 1,600 yards and 18 touchdowns like it was a couple years ago. But the line stinks. They're devoid of talent. They swung and missed on trying to replace an A.J. Brown with a Traylon Burks and Things like that, it just hasn't worked. They haven't picked players very well. The, his predecessor now it looks like the current GM. I think he probably was like, "I'm tired of riding this carousel with no quarterback, trying to you know punch him by my weight class here in a winnable division. We should be better than this." And uh, maybe the administration saying, "Yeah, you should be better than this. That's this is on you, dude." Basically saying, "No, no, our players are good. It's you're the one that's a problem." And now they butted heads. I think that guy is an excellent
3: head coach. I'm gonna put Vrabel in the exact same drawer. That I put Harbaugh in last hour. I think Vrabel would be a great hire. Just like I think Jim Harbaugh would be a really good hire. I think Vrabel would have success here probably. And not only is he someone they should interview. If I was to find out that they're going to hire him. It would make a lot of sense. And I think like Harbaugh. It would be their best hire in a long, long time. It still is not my perfect hire situation. My perfect situation is whether it works out or not, and when you're going with a first-timer, it might not. But my perfect situation, Danny, is to try to find your guy who can be the head coach here for 10 or 12 years that works hand-in-hand with the GM. I want what the Lions have with their GM and their head coach right now, who essentially, together, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, they're kind of building that team into an NFC power. And this isn't to say that there's not egos. Of course, eventually there are. And maybe Dan Campbell will want more power, and he'll pull a Buck Showalter, and he'll be hard to deal with. Like th- that is how this works. I understand that. But I don't want to start with that. Vrabel is coming out of a situation where it sounds like, you know, we're throwing our elbows around trying to get room at the table. Uh, Harbaugh, we know, is is going to be the king of that. I would just prefer, and it's not just offense, which is obviously my preference with um, some of the guys that I like, but like Mike McDonald with the Ravens, okay? If you want to go with this inspiring, young, defensive, leader of men type, hire Mike McDonald of the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Have him come in here as a person who can be helpful when asked what do you want? What kind of players are you looking for? But not demanding of the front office. I think I want Peters to have more say over the draft board than I want the head coach. And I think a guy like Vrabel comes in here right away. He's a star, and he's going to want to seat at the table. To he He is right there with Peters or above him in terms of Like, who's the biggest star when you walk into a room in football circles? It's Vrabel. And so maybe that's how he treats Peters in the room. I I don't know what kind of guy Vrabel is. I know Harbaugh would. So if you're annoyed at me continually saying offense, 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 I will offer then, while I'm not changing my opinion on that, Mike McDonald as a bridge. You know, Mm Ejiro Evro as a bridge. The defensive coordinator with the Panthers, who I think is going to be a hell of a leader of men and be around for a long, long time, to me, it, it's as much as anything about that marriage between GM and head coach. And I want it to be a ten-year hire. I don't want you know four or five years to try to turn this thing around. I want, I want a marriage here. Like right? I, I don't want mm-hmm. a good dating situation. And sometimes, if you go with the bigger names, that's a risk. So I know I'm swinging for the fences. I know I'm taking a big, but, big. Because that's the point.
4: We're trying to shoot the moon here.
3: Harbaugh's less of a gamble. He's probably going to be good. Vrabel's less of a gamble. Hear me when I say I'd like both hires. It's just not perfect. I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too. That's what I'm trying to do.
4: I get it. I mean, to me, there's that perfect sweet spot where you find Sean McVay. Now, we didn't know Sean McVay was Sean McVay. Some people had an inkling until he goes to L.A. and has incredible success and takes him to a Super Bowl. And then uh, a couple years later, with Stafford wins one. You'd like to think, you'd like to think that Kyle Shanahan was going to be great, but for every one of those, there's a there's a Nathaniel Hackett, or there's you know I don't know you you could pick your guy that that flamed out. We're all trying to do the same thing here, which is have a championship caliber team. To me, this special circumstance where everything is going to be new, slate is wiped clean from this ownership group, and they're coming in here with this you know aggressive, long, comprehensive plan, willing to deal maybe some pain in order to build something sustainable and great. I just look at these model franchises, and I go, I want that relaxed, calm, zero doubt, culture established, you know, the 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 Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin relationship, that Ozzie Newsome, John Harbaugh relationship, where there might be, there, there are inevitably going to be disagreements about players. Of course there will be. There have to be. Again, look no further than Gibbs and Beathard having screaming matches. That is a necessity. Anybody that just does whatever Ron Rivera wants, you get this pile of hot garbage that's on fire. No thank you to that. To me, Vrabel, though wouldn't qualify as your normal retread guy that had a lot of success elsewhere, the Super Bowl win, or the Super Bowl appearance or you know getting by on uh what he did a couple of years ago, now he comes in and gets ultimate team control. You would think he still just wants to be a football coach. Now, if, if it's you've got a lot of cachet and and I in order to get Mike Vrabel, you've got to give him this amount of control then, I'll pass right on that. No thank you. I want my structure. That's the most important part of it to me is getting that good structure. And I love Mike Vrabel. I think he would be Really, really good here. I think the only thing that's hampered him the last couple of years is a roster that's as bad as almost any team in the NFL, save New England in a couple but of how
3: years. sure are you that he hasn't helped pick players? I'm not like, sure. I don't he, know. He's a pretty influential guy in that building, from what I always gathered. I don't, I don't think he's he Jay Gruden, where he's just showing up and they're saying, hey, we picked you this guy. Hey, we're doing this, right? When you see those draft videos, he's doing a lot of the talking totally. in those rooms, yeah? Mm-hmm. So th- that worries me a little bit. I do think it's just harder... I mentioned the relationship between a defensive-minded head coach and a quarterback. Here, here would be my big question if I'm sitting down with Vrabel. And there's been no report yet that Washington is uh, going to be interviewing him. But, I mean, it would be pretty silly if they don't. I mean, you've got to at least kick the tires. You know, this dude's a rock star, and he'd hes it be a great hire. So you, you got to probably sit down with him uh, if he's willing to do that. But it could also be that they already know something we don't know about New England, and he wasn't going to accept a trade, but he wants to go there, and so they fire him. and. You know, they're going to try to go offensive-minded. They got a young quarterback that they've drafted now in Will Levis that they need to maximize. And maybe they know what you and I know, and most people around the league know, which is we got to find an OC for him. We got to go get Bobby Slowick and Mm -hmm. say, do what you did with C.J. Stroud. We got to see if Ben Johnson wants to live in Nashville, which is a cool town, and see if he'll make Will Levis really, really good. Because that's our best way forward. It's not Mike Vrabel coaching up good defenses and going 9-7. and Right. Right? Best thing you can do in this league is have a great offense and a great quarterback, and maybe that's what Amy Adams Trunk or I can't remember the last name. What she's thinking at this point, Amy. It's not Amy Adams Trunk. Amy Adams is an actress.
4: No, it is. It's Amy it Adams Amy and then Adams? Strunk.
3: Oh, Amy Adams is an actress. Yeah, she, can she also be Amy Adams?
4: You no. could have two of those. That's why they added the last one, Strunk.
3: Okay, because she's not allowed to be Amy Adams.
4: You can't just be Amy Adams. You you're like, <laughs> were you an arrival? No. Okay, then. Settle down. Did you play Lois Lane, Amy Adams, Strunk? No. We're going to put Strunk right on there.
3: Were you kind of a cute talent scout in uh, Trouble with the Curve? Oh, good one. Remember that movie? Did you have a small recurring role in The Office? I think you're thinking of Pam, who people get her confused with. Well, Pam had a full-time role. Right. (laughs) You sleep. Amy Adams was on The Office. I believe you. Skits and bits. Did they play on that at all, that she looks like Pam? Was that something or not? I think
4: there was something to that. Because you know who she really looks like is Isla, Isla? I, I love Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher, yeah. I love Isla Fisher. Of course you do. Good. Big, because of the act, so, acting ability.
3: Acting ability. Really in, good uh, I'll
4: tell you what movie it was
3: that did it for me. was Wedding Crashers. It's Wedding Crashers. Isla did Fisher and Wedding Crashers. One of the great performances of all time. Because I find you. Yeah. Good scene. Isla Fisher. Uh, here's the question I would ask Mike Vrabel: Who's your offensive coordinator? If he says, I've already talked to Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith's coming with me. That was his former OC in Tennessee before... Smith got the Atlanta job he just got fired from, right? If Arthur Smith is his coordinator and he's coming with him, I am way more excited about that. Now, here's the problem. Arthur Smith will be a head coach in a year or two if Drake Mays do, balls out as your number two overall pick, right? And there gets you back on the cycle. This is the problem. This is why I don't want a defensive-minded guy because you're constantly going to be hunting, being, hunting for offensive coordinators. But if if Arthur Smith is not his coordinator and he's like, well, I'm figuring that out. He's missed on his last couple OC hires, and that's kind of where he is right now. So that would be the number one question I would have to ask him, probably. Let's go to Ian and Frederick. Ian, Mike Vrabel's available. We didn't necessarily think this was coming. What say you? You will get nothing, and you will
4: like it. Danny, back to you. Uh Ian was like ruffling the phone against his body. Yeah. You ever hear that, like that rattling thing? I'm over Ian. What, what say you? Uh, to me, as you look at as you look at the 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 last couple of years, it, that's really what you have to evaluate. Yeah, whose fault it was, right? If you're like me and you're apolo like I've, I apologize for guys that I like. I've apologized for Justin Fields for like six years. You know, I apologize <laughs> for Mike Rabel. I'm basically making every excuse in the book because I think once he once he won that game by doing the 12 men on the field thing that no other coach would do. And he found the loophole in the rule to buy his team some extra time and win it. I, I said that's it. I'm convinced well, that guy's actually. By
3: the way, that has long been my theory is he did that one thing one time. And since that day, no bits. Mm-hmm. Like you've always referenced him as one of the smartest coaches in the league. Yeah. And and it, by the way, there's evidence. Like he actually, you know, knew the rule book and found a loophole. So I get it. But like after that day, he could do no wrong to you. Do you dock him at all because he got fired? I don't.
4: No, I I think this is a this is a, a dumb ownership group, frankly. With uh yeah. they, they I mean I remember their GM last year was like, You gotta look at it. The teams that run the ball the best and stop the run go the first in the postseason. And I went, That's not hadn't been true since the nineties. So no, that's that guy. That's the that's the guy that they chose over Mike Grable. That's the guy that's there now that is the ultimate football cowboy Oklahoma drill. Get low, fire off, West Texas, woo. Well, you know?
3: do you think, you know, you you don't like the ownership group, right? Mm-hmm. Is it because, you know, Amy Adams was ju- she's post-production in uh, Kings of America and in The Invite. She's probably been very busy. She's been, so yeah. She's multitasking
4: between films and the club. She did that HBO show that I never finished where she played an alcoholic. I didn't really like it. Like, I wanted to like it, I don't know but that it was one. too dark and brooding. It was like. Stop trying to – you're more fun than that, Amy Adam Strunk. All right,
3: ask me. Grill me on candidates versus Mike Vrabel. Uh, Next, we'll do this. And I want to see who I would take over Mike Vrabel. I want head-to-head, mano-a-mano, Vrabel or – We're going to count up the
4: total number. I will do the
3: same with you next on Grant and Danny. Are you interested in one of the great coaches in football over the last five years, according to kind of the NFL community beloved – On, if there's such a thing as like football, Twitter, and all the smart people that tweet about the game, they, they can't go an hour without complimenting Mike Vrabel. He is a, he, a former Pro Bowler and a three-time Super Bowl champion and an All-Pro who, as a head coach, did some really good things. Coach of the year uh, and has been to the playoffs in half of his six seasons. You're listening to Grant and Danny.
4: One thing that I wish
3: was asked, I don't know that he would have answered it, to be honest with you, but I I just would have loved to have known how he would have gone about. Replying would have been a question yesterday on what's your ideal head coaching situation? Like every search is going to be different. Everything's going to go a little differently than you expect. But are you a believer that offensive coaches are a preference? Do you like the idea of just a leader of men and then... The, the the tricky part the game is finding the great coordinators i would love to know what josh harris had to say about
4: that me too in retrospect now that now that we're you know some of the names are shaking loose and listen the guys they've asked permission to interview all but one is a defensive guy just by circumstance right as you go through their list of of who they've asked permission to to talk to so far now that's still preliminary they don't have the guy that's going to be hopefully making that decision in seat just yet. They're doing that one first first. Two, Cause Bobby Sloak is also on that list. Have they asked for permission for Sloak? They have. Okay. I missed that one. Sorry. Yeah, so yeah. So, so it's two. We
3: are at as best I can tell. I'm trying to keep up with it. Seven candidates that they've asked to interview Ben Johnson and Bobby Sloak offensively. And then on defense, Mike McDonald, Ravens, Dan Quinn, Cowboys, Raheem Morris, Rams, Aaron Glenn Lions; Anthony Weaver, D line, assistant head coach, Baltimore, uh, that isn't telling to me that like they have a preference or anything. We've known this for a little while. We've had guests on for months who are saying there are going to be more defensive candidates than offensive candidates. Yep. I'd like to see who is the, you know, who are their, who gets the second interview. Mm-hmm. In other words, you cast this big wide net. There's a lot more guys out there looking for jobs that are D coordinators than O coordinators. Yeah, no
4: harm in having a conversation.
3: I'm a little surprised that say Frank Smith's not on this list from the Dolphins, the OC or uh, even Brian Call- Callahan, let's say, with Cincinnati. Oh, my gosh, Shane Waldron. With the Bengals, Waldron in Seattle. Like, you could have a few more of the offensive guys. But if the second round is Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick, and Mike McDonald, which is kind of who you know, I would go into the search process kind of wanting the second round to look like, maybe throw Raheem in there, like, that would make more sense to me, to be completely honest. Where, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they interviewed a bunch of defensive guys, sure. But when now they're getting serious and down to brass tacks and... The finalists, so to speak, two thirds of them are the, the offensive guys. Yeah,
4: you're asking the defensive guys, who among these guys have the toughest offense to go up against?
3: <laughs> you know, that was a question. Right. I just don't know how much we should take out of the initial lists. Sure. I, I, I think you're yeah. doing a lot of probably even self scout. You know, you're asking yeah. people from all over the league about yourself and trying to get some information. All right, let's play a little Orv Rabel. Uh, what did you prepare for me, Danny? Let's go.
4: I got a list here, and it's from uh, Sports Betting AG of the like most the the odds for the next Commanders head coach. So, someone, let's get the easy ones out of the way: Ben Johnson or Mike Vrabel. Ben Johnson yeah, alert! Got, right? The ben Johnson sports, alert!
8: Ben Johnson alert! Ben Johnson
4: alert! Now I'm going in order of their odds. These are not things that I would be betting on, so just to give you an idea. Okay. Uh, their second leader is uh, Eric Bieniemy. Or Mike Vrabel. Wow, this is a terrible list yes, already. Yes, it
3: is. Uh, Mike Vrabel.
4: Jim Harbaugh or Mike Vrabel? Oof. Jim Harbaugh. Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel? Mike Justice Vrabel. Coach. Lil Bobby Slowick or Mike Vrabel? Bobby Slowick. Mike McDonald or Mike Vrabel? Mike McDonald. Anthony Weaver or Mike Vrabel? Mike Vrabel. Todd Munkin or Mike Vrabel?
3: This is hard. This is right there. They're even. I'm going to say Mike Vrabel.
4: Uh, Aaron Glenn or Mike Vrabel? Mike Vrabel. Brian Flores or Mike Vrabel? I love Brian Flores so much.
3: I'll go Mike Vrabel.
4: Dan Quinn. Mike Vrabel. Frank Smith. Frank Smith. Yeah. Raheem Morris.
3: Raheem Morris. Shane Waldron. Mike Vrabel.
4: Now, this is a tricky one. The next name is Mike Vrabel. How do you handle that, Mike Vrabel or Mike Vrabel? Ben Johnson. There you go. Yeah.
1: Ben Johnson, <laughs> the then Ben we're Johnson, down at the end of Kellen
4: Moore and a That's couple fine. others that aren't. aren't did that happening. help you? It did. Okay. Uh, he's incredibly low on your list. <laughs> I know, low is
3: not true. He, you went, he's, he's like sixth. What was that? Nine or ten names? I don't know. Five or six ahead of him, maybe.
4: You pick like, like the this. intern for like a UFL team. Does he coach offense? He's fighting an uphill battle. Wow. Yeah. What if he had long hair? You, you wouldn't even let him in the building. He doesn't, though. He doesn't. So he's got a shot. It's a great haircut.
3: Uh, I want to do the same thing. Go go through the list.
4: Uh, here we go. Ben Johnson or Vrabel. Give me Ben Johnson. Uh, Vrabel over Biennemi. Vrabel over Harbaugh. Vrabel over Belichick. Vrabel over Slowick? Vrabel over McDonald. That one's close for me, though. That's a coin toss. Ooh. You got to go
3: Mike McDonald. Shiny mm. new toy. 36 mm. years old.
4: Might be special. Give me Vrabel. Ah. Uh, Vrabel over Weaver. Vrabel over Munkin. Vrabel over Glenn, Flores, Quinn, Smith, Morris, Waldron, and Vrabel over Vrabel. And then that's the end. So it looks like he's my two seed, according to this list. There you go.
3: Ben Johnson and then Mike Vrabel? That's my list, I guess. Okay. Let's go to Chris in Hyattsville on G&D. What's up, buddy? Christopher.
0: Hey, Danny, listen, I want to say, look, I love it when Chunk did the truffle shuffle in Goonies, but that doesn't mean I'm casting him in my next major motion picture. Okay. It was cool that one time he did it, uh, but, uh, and that's the way I feel, I think you think of Rabel, because he did that one thing that one time. He did that thing, Um, man. He knew the rule.
3: By the way, it's
4: two different occasions. He's done things where everyone's like, what's he doing? I'm so confused. Just knowing the rules, which these other 31 coaches are baffled by. He's smart. Baffled.
0: Um, But there's there's lots of smart guys. Um, I think Vrabel was the coach of the best team in the worst division in football for a long time, and they're no longer the worst division in football. a good point. Uh, The teams have gotten better around them, so I don't think that his success – I think his success has much to do with the opponents he was playing week in and week out as it does like his – his skill, his coaching acumen, his organizational methods, whatever. And I don't want to retread. Unless your name is Holmgren, like I don't want you to coach Washington as a retread.
3: Holmgren? He wants Mike Holmgren. Is this a bit? He's doing a bit.
4: Thank you for the call. He said Holmgren, right? Yeah. Because in other words, the only guy that had as much success in his second stop was was Holmgren. Nobody else did. Did he? I think they, I think so. With Seattle? Didn't hmm. he get to the Super Bowl in Seattle? No. Uh, maybe. They lost
3: to the Steelers. Was he the coach then? I think so. Ah, are we, we're counting that a win? I mean, Ryan, Ron got to one and didn't win it. <laughs> he's didn't. I think
4: he's the only guy in his second stop to actually get to one. Maybe I'm wrong. But part of the dude's story is the second stop for guys that have had been highly successful is nowhere near as good as the first. That's, yeah. that's always the thing. He
3: won in Seattle, looking it up here, nine or more games, five straight seasons uh, after leaving Green Bay. So he had a good run there. Obviously, he was a Super Bowl champion with the Packers, won an NFC title the year after that, and then lost in the Super Bowl and then got to what was a third Super Bowl uh, in Seattle. Grant and Danny on the fan, top of the hour. Let's talk to a 49ers reporter who spent a lot of time around Adam Peters and even did a detailed interview with him ahead of last year's draft. You're listening to GND.